Hey, my lovely ladies, before the show starts, I'm looking for some more six and seven figure female founders and CEOs to interview. So please go to www.twwguest.com to apply. In today's episode, we're interviewing Rebecca Brenham, holistic health, life, and mindset coach and co-founder of Building Successful Entrepreneurs Academy. She uses a unique blend of subconscious healing and hell yes coaching to help people unwind their self-defeating behaviors and patterns while stabilizing healthy habits that last. Her passion is helping others feel empowered and in tuned their body. Today, she's actually taking us behind the scenes of her number one secret to trusting the pivot. Guys, it's not what you think. So this should be an amazing episode. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you here. So let's get right to it. What is this number one secret to trusting the pivot? Yes, great question. So from my experience and after helping a handful of very successful entrepreneurs, it generally comes back to being able to identify what's been working really well for you in your business. And yes, it's working, it's working. And can you let go of what's working in order to make the shift and have that pivot in your in your business and also in your personal life? And a lot of the time, there's a lot of resistance when it comes to letting go of the very things that got you to the point of success that you're currently at. Because, you know, if you let go of it and you release it and not, in, I mean, you can release it entirely or in different ways. And we can talk about that more. But if you release what's working, then how can you trust that you actually know what to do to take you to your next level. Yeah, I think I think that's such an important point because it's like, that's so not what you're hearing out in the space, right? It's like, well, if something's working, do more of it. And, and yes, how do you know if you're doing something completely new that you'll be able to take that on? So how, tell us a little bit more about how you kind of uncovered that this was the case, that this is how you lean into that pivot. Yeah. So I feel like one of the most cliche things we hear on, on, in the entrepreneur space is how comfortable can you get in the discomfort? But that's really, that is true here. You know, the, the other cliche thing is what you resist will persist. So if you are resisting letting go of like, for example, a certain system in your, in your business that got you to where you are and you know, it's working very well, like do you actually need to stay in it or can you let somebody else truly automate that system so you can keep the well-oiled machine running while you step away to do the thing that's really on your heart now. Because for me, I found that there were certain things that were working very, very well in my private practice in terms of um, lead gen and bringing people in. It was working great, but I wasn't in love with how I was showing up and doing it. I wasn't in love with the system I had created around it. I wasn't in love with who I was being through it. And I realized, well, I'm not in love with it anymore because that was an old version of me. And I've grown so much that that version of that, that method just isn't working for where I'm heading. And so do you think that that's a really good marker for how you should know whether it's time to pivot? Is that, you know, you're, you're doing these things, they're working, but you're not loving it. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I think it's, I think it goes, that goes hand in hand with are you continuing to do that thing, even though you're not in love with it? Uh, and that feels very different for some people. I know for me, I start to get bored when I'm not in love with it, when it's not aligned for me. That's generally what I think of as alignment. Um, I, I have to be able to step back and ask myself, am I just 
doing this thing the way I've been doing it? Am I choosing to still do it that way because I'm afraid to step out of my comfort zone because I've normalized that process or I've normalized whatever that thing is? And I know I need to pivot, but it's like, then I get in my head, I'm not in my heart. I'm like, ah, oh my gosh. And I start psyching myself out. That for me is one of the signs, as well as when I notice all of that going on, I'm usually starting to avoid the very things that I know are going to move me forward. So that looks like procrastination, um, whatever avoidance tactic I'm using at the time, um, whatever kind of sabotage, I'm just noticing that my sabotage patterns are starting to show up a lot more often than they do when I'm in my aligned space. Does that answer your question? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So what kind of results? Um, have you gotten and have your clients gotten from from this idea of around your truth and and pivoting? Yes. So one of my long, I think she's probably one of my longest term clients. We've been working together for three years now. We've been through a lot of these instances together. And she went from working like he's a workaholic. So doing what she knew worked for her and her business, do, bringing in 25K months, and she was doing 60 to 80 hours a week because she was such a type A control freak and she knew what to do to do that. And she didn't believe that there was more potential for her, even though she helped her own clients achieve more than she was. So once we identified what her sabotage patterns were and where she was knowing there was a pivot ready for her if she would just step into it and own it, once we finally got her to trust that, hey, that it's safe to take the make the pivot... Um, now she's doing working 40 hours a week and she's doing over $300,000 a month because she was like, it's freaking insane. It's like, <laughs> there was so much embodiment work that had to happen first. And this is why I tell people too, it's not just about, you know, it's not just about strategy. You can have the best strategy out there in the world, but if you're not aligned with the strategy and where you are in your business or where you are personally, it's not going to matter. So there was a lot of, um, radical responsibility, trust, discernment that had to happen so that she could feel safe, secure, and also confident in her ability to take the pivot. Because the pivot, even if it's a little, small, little thing that you're adjusting, for her, it was actually delegating things to the team that she had. Because again, type A control freak personality, she didn't trust that they could do a job. So she was so afraid to delegate that. So that one little shift required so much radical responsibility on her part and a lot of mindset work to go along with that. Well, and I think that that's so common, right? That like, you know, you can be in a space and helping your clients do something and, you know, getting them in these amazing places, but so common, especially as women, I think as business owners that we oftentimes, right, we, we don't do it for ourselves, right? And so we... We, we can't see those blind spots for ourselves. Most people can't see their, and so you're like, well, yeah, my client can do this amazing thing, but I can't do it, right? <laughs> I, I have to work 90 hours a week. <laughs> yeah, I don't love all the control, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so tell me why it is that you think that allowing yourself to really embody it, you know, to, to give yourself this space and time, because I agree, I hear it so often, right? It's like, so many women I'm talking to have strategies coming out of their ears. It's not that they don't know the things they could be doing. It's just that it's like, well, which one's actually in alignment? Where do you actually want to go? And so what? how do you help people kind of get into that, again, that space of truth and embodiment first and help them understand that 
that's what they need to do, right? Like they need to create that space. I'm assuming that that's right. Like yeah. first you start there and create that space to do that. Yeah. Great question. Um, so I guess for the context of this particular conversation, one of the simplest things that we do is we have to identify like, what is it that you actually want? Because a lot of my clients, they they think they know what they want, but they're not actually being honest about what it is that they want. And they, they're just wanting what society has told them or whatever their programming is. So number one, we always have to figure it out. Like, what is it that you actually want for you in particular? Not just like, not just the money in the bank, not just helping this amount of people, but what are the experiences that you want more of in your life? Like, and for her, um, it was all about, well, I want to actually be able to enjoy my time. I've, I've done all this, put all my time in and I have this like financial abundance, but what am I actually doing with that? So once we got clear on it, like, okay, well, it's how do you want to spend your time and identifying some of those experiences? Then it's like, well, what are the things that are telling you that you can't have them? And then we start there because I find for a lot of my clients, they're very analytical and data-driven and I'm not, I'm the, I'm the heart. So it makes sense that we, we do the great work that we do. Um, but it's, okay, well, what's, what are all of the thoughts that your analytical brain are telling you? And then your heart's trying to disprove them all the time, but they don't feel comfortable enough in their own body to actually go down into their body. So they're just constantly living out of their head. And it makes sense that they're feeling overwhelmed. They're tired. They feel like they have to work all these crazy amount of hours because they're up there. And it also seems like they're constantly trying to prove something to somebody. So just getting them to realize like you have achieved so much like what is it you actually are doing this for and i think for almost all of them that's what it comes back to is you know what is it you actually want what are the experiences you want what's telling you you can't have it and how can we get you to get down into your body and that it goes through that process so what if, if you could just name one thing what what do you think is most surprising about taking someone kind of through this process um and seeing where they kind of end up yeah, I think it's it's the confidence and it's it's a combination of their confidence level and the level of success that they're already experiencing because they have such a high bar, like their own standards are set so high. <laughs> they have outdone so many people like hello high achieving women. Like we get it, but it's like yeah. you, do you hear all the things that you just listed off? Like you are so successful, but they don't think it's enough. So it's always surprising to to hear that, to hear all these amazing, phenomenal things they've been able to do, and yet they don't think it's good enough. And then they're not confident. Like it's like this, uh, like it's like the mask. Like in the ADHD world, there's always these. We we do lots of masking, and it's it's that. Like they don't know how to actually bring that successful, confident woman into their personal world, into the time when nobody else is seeing them. Because when they're in that alone space or with their really intimate relationships, it's like they're the least confident. Like they're just a mess. And it's it blows my mind. It's like, so how can we... It, I just find it so surprising. It's like, okay, well, now we get to merge it all together. And like it's not all of these separate things. You, yeah, that's going to get me on a whole other tangent. Right, right. It's like a nursing world. It's like a silo. You're holistic. Oh, yeah, everything has to be right. everything. Right. You're, you're resourced from all your places. You've been successful here. That means you can bring that in, right? Bring that confidence across the board. Yes. I think it's so common, unfortunately, with women. Um, I, I don't know, you know, probably starts in our childhood, right? But it's like the shame-based stuff, right? So 
you know, men oftentimes will, you know, they'll have something happen. Um, let's say they have a bad hire, right? They hire someone, it doesn't work out. It all kind of falls apart. And the men will be like, oh, I had a, that was a bad person. They didn't do their job. I fired them. I move on. I hire someone up. Women, we make it about us, right? We're like, oh my God. Yeah. I didn't mentor them properly. I didn't, you know, bring to them all the things they needed. I wasn't, you know, and then, and, and then we lose total confidence that we could hire the next person, right? Like I have, I can't trust myself. I can't choose the right people. And here we've just created this whole story and it's just shame and guilt. And, and we do this a thousand different times and a thousand different ways all through our life. Right. And so it's no wonder that we become these massive achievers in certain areas, but we can't feel confident. Yeah. I love that so much. One of the questions I, <laughs> my, my clients actually repeat it back to me and in our mastermind, they say it to one another now, but one of the questions I always ask when they're in one of those, those realms is, well, what are you making that mean about you? You're making it mean something about you. And it's most often it's not true. It's just, you're I call it mindfuckery. I don't know if you will, like, if that's appropriate here, but it's like you're yeah. giving all of your power to that and it's not true. So what are you making this mean about you? And then like, what would you actually like to make it mean about you? I always, um, I guess this is like something, one of like little snippets to take away. I walk them through an a SOAP acronym, S-O-A-P, like validate the subjective data, the emotional component of things. Step back, look at it objectively once you've validated the subjective, then assess like what were actually all the components that fed into this, what was it within your control, what wasn't, and then make a plan from there. Because you do that, but you're not making it mean that you that you didn't do that enough, that you weren't this, that you weren't that. And it's just a very helpful tool that we use. Well, that's a great tool. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, um, let's talk a little bit about challenges that are are coming up for you. So what are, what's kind of the next big challenge you're facing as a female founder that you think our audience could relate to? Yeah, um, my current challenge is actually everything we've been talking about so far. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to put it in context, um, I currently have three businesses that I own and operate. Um, one of them is very hands-off for me, thank goodness, because one more thing, right? Right. <laughs> but the thing that has that is currently the most challenging is recognizing that what has worked really, really well in my private my private coaching practice that I've had for almost six years isn't necessarily what I need to continue doing for that business. And it's also not what I need to continue doing for my new business that I have with my business partner that's only a year old. There are pieces of how I used to show up for my private practice that absolutely are still beneficial for both businesses, but that's not how I need to operate continuing forward. For example, I don't have to be the one to do all the things. I was a solo entrepreneur for a very long time. And even when I made my first hire three years ago, maybe four years ago, somewhere in there, um, it was just me and her, and then she would delegate to people underneath her. And now because of the structure of our new business, it doesn't work that way. Like there's no delegating to her because we're, we are um, the partners. My old OBM is now my business partner for our new business. And I, de I don't delegate to her there. We have somebody else that we delegate to. So being uh, in a place where I don't have that buffer in the middle and managing people in a very different way. that is, I think that's my biggest challenge is I've had to pivot from how I've been showing up, 
who I am when I am showing up the new way that I am. That's a, That's been a challenge. And managing my time effectively because in my mind, I have to do a lot more than I actually have to do. And it's really weird knowing that I actually only need to show up um, and do like we do. We do a lot of organic marketing. That's one of the primary things that we teach and how we've gotten where we are. But I don't have to do it at the same capacity that I once did. So now only showing up for an hour and knowing that that's good enough now because I'm so much more um, powerful and potent and activating when I show up is so much different compared to spending like three hours online doing all the marketing and things and having two hours of my time back or more on a daily basis of like what do i do with myself i must be forgetting something oh my god do i need to micromanage this over here do i need to make this more complicated so it doesn't feel so smooth like (laughs) yeah yeah so what do you think is one piece of advice based off of what you've kind of learned as you're taking all this challenge and of course you'll learn more but like what what's one piece of advice that you think the audience should take away oh gosh there's so many um i think if you're in a similar space to what i just shared like where i'm at one of the things that's helping me the most right now is having a list of what my va and obm slash ops person, like what are their responsibilities so that if I need to submit a piece of content for them to put in all the places, I know exactly who I'm giving it to instead of trying to do all five steps or 10 steps myself. It's like, I just need to know who's the one person that's responsible for this and then let it go. Um, Because I used to not have that. I try to keep it all in my brain and I know better than that. So having, I'm a very visual person. So having a list of who are the people that are on my team that and what are their roles has been extremely helpful. Um, And that's one of the things like I've got a spot right here because that's something I was just working on over the weekend is I'm going to have it right here next to me so I can just look down and see it. It's always there. Um, So I think that is probably one of the actually there's two. I think the other thing is, you know, you get to trust yourself to hand something off to somebody because as a a high achiever, as a type A person, um, I want to do it all myself because I again, like, what do I have to prove? And for me, it's, I can trust the people that are on my team. We were very selective and we made some bad hires in the first few months and it was horrendous. But the people we are with now, like they've been with us for several months now. So we know we can trust them. And it's just about actually allowing them the space to do their job and let them do it the way that they do it. And it's kind of like, you know, do I load the dishwasher a certain way? Do I think it's the 100% right way versus watching my husband do it? Does it stress me out watching him to load the dishwasher? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to walk away. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So pivoting a bit, we asked all of our guests on this show um, because we really believe here at The Wealth Woman that true wealth can never just be about money, right? Getting to the end of your life and having millions of dollars in the bank and being very rich is not the same as living a wealthy life. And so we love to ask our guests, what is it about your life that makes you feel wealthiest? You know, um, it's emotional availability for my kids. When I was growing up, so my dad's a farmer. Um, he's also, he is also a factory worker. So there was just no time. It was like, if you were sitting around, you were lazy. And even when they got, so they're what they, they physically weren't available. My parents weren't, um, and emotionally that, that like they're older. So they just were not available. So going into a family with my, like my husband's family, they're so emotionally involved. And I was like, wow, 
so jealous. <laughs> and I didn't know, like I had to, re- I had to regulate a lot going into that. But for my kids, I want them to have an experience more like my husband. And I want to be a part of that. And that, to me, that's what actual wealth is. It's like, do I have the money to, the like money is a component. Yes, absolutely. Because we all have bills to pay, right? But it also gives me the time to be emotionally available for myself, for my husband, for my kids. Because my parents are so much different with my kids than they were with me and my brother. Like, it's not we're relief people when you were growing up. <laughs> I <didn't feel> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I don't want to look back how like years from now, because my daughter's seven, my son is three. I don't want them to grow up and be like, why weren't you guys around for us like that? I don't want to be those parents. I don't want to be their best friend right now because that's, you know, there's a very fine line, but I just want them yeah. to be, you know, I want them to know that they have that love and support there available to them and be able to actually be in a good enough mentally, emotionally, and physically to be that woman who is available in that regard for myself and for them. Yeah. Okay, so here's like the fun version of this question. So what is the silly, unconventional, outside of the box thing that just brings you joy or wealth in your day-to-day? That's a great question. Um, Well, I'm getting more into gardening right now. It makes my heart happy. Yeah, so I used to be, I grew up on a farm. So being outside is one of my things. Um, And it used to be riding my horses. I've still got a few of them, but that's so much more work than I remember it being. But right now it's being outside i can see my horses out there doing their thing i can just be in nature actually planting things and watching them bloom so just learn gardening my flower beds and then actually going outside intermittently throughout my day and just admiring them coming up from the ground like last year was the first year i got into it and the the uh, what is it the perennials that are that come back year after year they're so pretty already and it's like oh my God, look at that I wonder what they're going to look like next year and every single day there's something different so that's what's making my heart happy right now. That's wonderful. I know this is such a fun time of year. I feel like it's just full of full of possibilities after we've all been kind of like shut down for winter and it's, it's all around us, right? We can see it and we can feel it. Amazing. Well, Rebecca, you have been an amazing guest today. We've really enjoyed having you and I know that our audience has learned so much. So if they want to learn some more from you, get further support, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, um, so I primarily show up multiple times a day over in my Facebook community. Uh, I run it with my partner, Daniel Ralston. It's called Make ADHD Your Bitch. And we're in there every single day doing live trainings. Um, We do two live trainings a week and we're just in there answering questions and being very supportive and whatnot. So that's one of my favorite places to be in the social media world. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you again so much. We've so enjoyed having you. Thank you. This is great. Hey everyone, I really hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more The Wealthy Woman podcast content, make sure to subscribe and here's a way we can help you for free. If you are a six, seven, or eight-figure female founder and CEO, we want to see and interview you on one of our podcast shows. Head to twwguest.com. Again, that's twwguest.com. I hope to see you on our next interview. Now, at The Wealthy Woman, we help six, seven, and eight-figure female founders and CEOs to scale their business by using unconventional approaches like leading-edge science and tapping into their unique authenticity code. If that sounds good to you and you want to get some help, then we're inviting you to book a short chat with our team to see how we can best help you. Go to www.thewealthywoman.com slash chat. 
Again, that's www.thewealthywoman.com slash chat.